stand up and worship the Lord together.
Lord this morning. The glory is his. You may have a seat. Well, good morning again. My name is Austin. Welcome to Central Baptist Church here in Livingston, Texas. I'm excited that each and every one of you, I'm trying to make eye contact real quick, are here singing and worshiping together with us this morning. Uh, We have so much to be thankful for. And the first thing I'm going to say thank you is if you are a guest and you are here with us worshiping, thank you for being here. I want to welcome you and invite you to uh, check the seat backs in front of you. There's connection cards in there. Just ask for a little bit of basic information so that we can get to know you a little better and connect with you further. Uh, If you're a member or a guest and you come in this morning and you have prayer requests or needs that you have, you can also use those same cards, fill them out, and as you leave this morning, you'll set those in the uh, deposits at the doors as you leave. Also, if you came this morning prepared to give your tithes and offerings, you can do so with the envelopes in the seat backs. You can also give online at the church website, and uh, yeah, do that as your spiritual act of worship this morning. Before we continue to sing, uh, I want to say that there will be a time of response at the end of Pastor Sonny's message today. If you feel like God is speaking to you and calling you to salvation, to baptism, if you just need prayer, if there's a a time in your life that that you're in need of, of coming together with other believers and praying over that, that time is for you. You're welcome to stand up and come up to the front. You can kneel at the altar or you can seek out uh, Pastor Sonny or one of our other men will make themselves available to you to pray with you. Uh, And that time is, again, for you as we continue in worship. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. We praise you for the great things that you have done. God, we praise you, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, how you work together in perfect unity, uh, Lord, for our salvation and for our good. God, uh, we pray that we would look different than the world, God, that we would commit ourselves and bear our crosses in such a way that when others see us, God, they see you. Lord, for your glory and so that your kingdom would be advanced. God, as we sing, God, this is our offering to you this morning. God, be glorified in it. God, be blessed by it. We love you. We want to worship you. Amen. Let's stand together. Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty, through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Judge and our defender Suffered and crucified Forgiveness is in you Descended into darkness You rose in glory 
life Whoever seen it high I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit Our God is three in one I believe in the resurrection That we will rise again For I believe in the name of Jesus God, I believe in you I believe you rose again I believe that Jesus Christ this morning that we believe Son 
Amen. I hope you believe that this morning. Listen, you can be seated. If you want to come forward and pray with us, you can come now. Uh, what I want to do for us this morning or ask us to do today is um, if you are here today and you are just been praying for a long time over an issue or an individual, uh, maybe it's something that's burdened you and you need, you need a prayer for breakthrough in that matter. I just want you to raise your hand. Eyes open, raise your hand around the room. If you've been praying for breakthrough over an individual in your family, someone at work, or a situation that you just need prayer over, raise your hand. Raise them high. Because listen, look, at, look around the room. We have hands raised. Listen, prayer matters. And when God's people come together and pray for these matters, it moves the heart of God. Believe me, it does. And we're going to spend some time this morning just praying for you, people around you that raise their hands. I'm going to ask you to just pray for them, okay? You don't have to get up. You don't have to move around the room, but just pray for them. If you want to come forward and you need prayer for that matter, you come and you just come right now. You can still come and you pray for that matter, okay? But we're going to spend some time this morning praying for that. At the same time, we just sang a song that said, it is well with my soul. Regardless of what happens in that particular situation, it is well with my soul. Whatever answer God gives us in our prayer lives, on the back end of it, it is well with my soul. We want to pray for that. You know, the man who wrote that song saw his daughters drown. They didn't live. And in the aftermath, he prayed, he wrote that song, It is well with my soul, in light of knowing that his family had died. It is well with our souls. Listen, for the follower of Jesus Christ, for us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we live with hope. We live with hope. We're going to experience a lot of disappointment, discouragement, uh, suffering in this world. But it is well with our souls. And we live with hope and we pray with hope. And we pray with optimism. So let's pray to the one who created us, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, the creator of all things. And let's talk to him. So let's pray. Fathers, we come to you today. Thank you. We thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for the community of faith that you've placed us in, in our community. Time that we come together. Time that we come and we sing songs that are spiritual songs. We song, sing songs of the great hymns of the faith. We sing new hymns, Lord, as we gather our hearts and our minds on one thing and one thing alone, and that is you. And we thank you this morning for the truth of your word that comes to light in the music that we sing, because it points us to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It points us to you, Father, who loved us enough that you would send your son into the world, even though we were broken, even though we would make a mess of our lives. And yet you chose to love us through sending your son into the world to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And then Jesus, you showed us how to live. You gave us a perfect picture of humanity. The perfect picture of how to deal and live through, and deal with the disappointments of this world, but to live through things like betrayal and suffering and all the things that we experience here on this side of eternity. And then you left us but you didn't abandon us. For lo, you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Those are the words that you said to your disciples before you ascended into heaven. You left your Holy Spirit, the helper, and your, you, Holy Spirit, live right here, right now. You are at work in our hearts. 
You are at work in our church. You are at work in this room right now as we speak. And we are grateful this morning, Holy Spirit, the presence of God that works and moves to not only give us faith and guide and direct our steps, but you give us wisdom from your word, for this is the word in which you wrote. And you speak into our lives and you encourage us and you speak into our lives and you convict us and you speak into our lives and you guide us to the things that we need to understand and know. And, and then you give us our marching orders of how to, Lord, be obedient to our Heavenly Father. And so we thank you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are at work and that you care so deeply for us. And this morning, God, we are coming to you on behalf of so many in this room who've raised hands and some that didn't raise their hand. But Lord, have been praying for breakthrough in their life for some time. Maybe it is a disease. Maybe, Lord, it is just the struggle personally of discouragement, of loneliness. And we want to get rid of these things. We want to get rid of addictions. And we want to get rid of these kinds of things in our lives. Sometimes some of us, Lord, may be struggling in our marriage. And we, we want our marriages to get better. And we want our marriages to be healthy. And we want there to be peace in our home between our, ourselves and maybe not just our spouse, but our children we want peace to return. We pray for family members who need Christ and who need to give their lives over to you, Lord. There are ample things in this room that we have been praying for for a long time, and we know you have your will. And we want our hearts and our minds to be in tune with your will as we pray for your will to be done in these situations. And through it all, Lord, it is well with our souls. As we remind ourselves that, God, you are a God who cares, a God who knows our needs and you meet our needs. You are a God who cares deeply about the people around us. You care deeply about our church. You care deeply about our community. You care about this nation. You care about the many nations of the world, the thousands of people groups around the world. You care deeply for each and every situation, each and every individual. You move when your people pray, so we are praying. And we have our hearts pointed towards you. There's nothing else on our minds and our hearts right here, right now, but you. Lord, move in these situations. Lord, give us the courage to keep praying. Keep us, give us the discipline to keep praying, the patience to keep praying. Lord, we love you. And as we turn our hearts and minds to your word, God, would you guide and direct our steps and lead us as we look at what your word says to us today. And God, give us courage to respond to it. Thank you for this time. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again. Y'all cold or are you warm? It's warm in here. It's all good. Every pastor, you know, in the South today, they're, they're cutting jokes with their congregations. It's cold outside, but it's warm in here with the Lord, right? We're using all those kind of jokes on the stage today. Hey, you know, cold is, is all, it's all perspective. I've got a close friend of mine who pastors a church in Cairo, Nebraska. I'm going to pull my phone up and I'm going to show you. Now, you can't see it, but uh, I'll tell you is I screenshotted what the weather looks like there today, and you know what's going on in his community? Well, negative 13, 
with a negative 21 windshield. That's not the windshield. That's the real temperature. So, you know, it weather's always perspective. They had to cancel their service today. What's so funny about him is he's from, a Houston, he's from Houston. He pastored uh, in the area that I was in Southeast Texas for the eight years I was over there, uh, there in Bridge City. It's a long way to, from Bridge City. It's all perspective. No, it is cold outside, and uh, it is the story right now. Um, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, and here's the thing. If you don't have a Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open a Bible with our new Bibles that are right there in front of you. This is the English Standard Version. It's the version that I preach out of. It's actually the large print. We have those for you this morning. If you do not have a copy of your Bible, then I want to encourage you to follow follow me in the, uh, the Bibles that we have provided for you. You know, church is one of those things that uh, in church, I think oftentimes it's one of those things where we're oftentimes guilty of selective obedience, I call it. Sometimes we obey the, some things, the things that we really want to obey out of the Bible, other things we just kind of skip over because we don't fully understand them. Um, I think when I open the Bible, and I've been guilty with this over the years in learning and growing in my faith, and sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes what we do when we open our Bibles and we read them, we kind of create this fake hierarchy of what's important and what's not important, what is something I'm going to practice and something that because I don't understand or what have you, then I don't, I neglect it, if you will. Um, Think about the Bible, think about multiple things. Um, Sometimes we neglect certain things in the Bible because we see bad experiences of them. I don't know about you, but I've seen bad experiences in every discipline, spiritual discipline of the, li- of, of the Christian life. Maybe it was somebody who got up in the, uh, in the service and froze when they were asked to pray in a service, and they froze. And so you, you said to yourself, there is no way someone's going to come to me and ask me to pray in front of that church. I'm not doing that. Maybe you saw a bad experience of someone who misused, let's just say, the Holy Spirit, misuse of the Holy Spirit and what the Bible says about that. And so we typically and sometimes stay away from things like the Holy Spirit, even talking about that. Maybe we see people pray in public and they pray in public with an arrogance about them. We do this when a lot of different things. We see this, and and so we oftentimes neglect certain things in our life, whether it is the Holy Spirit. We don't really understand Him, so we don't talk about Him. We're not going to deal with that in the church. Maybe it's giving and financial giving. And that's just one of those taboo subjects. We're not going to talk about that, even though Jesus talks about it more than any other topic in the New Testament. (laughs) But we're not going to talk about that because, you know, I don't want to talk about that. So it's the Holy Spirit giving. Sometimes it's evangelism. Well, I froze when I was talking to someone about Jesus, and so I'm never going to do that again. Or it's discipleship, and the list goes on and on. Maybe spiritual discipline. Maybe it is prayer, and sometimes it is the topic of fasting. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer and fasting, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about prayer and fasting. But more so, this morning, we're going to focus on fasting today. You ever hear a sermon on fasting? We're going to look at it this morning. Now, before we get into what the text says, and we're going to read the text this morning, and our text today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 17, and 18. You can see there, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to camp out in it for just a few moments in, in a moment. And we're going to see what Jesus has to say about fasting. 
Well, let me say a few things on the front end as we talk about prayer and fasting, the fasting in particular. First of all, I want you to remember that it is a discipline in the Christian life. It's just like prayer. It's like what we did just now. It's a discipline in the Christian life like evangelism, sharing my faith or praying or that sort of thing, giving. It's a spiritual discipline in the Christian life. It's something you do, and what is a discipline? It is something you do on a regular basis that produces a desired result. When you discipline yourself to run a marathon, what do you have to do? You don't go from A to Z. You have to train yourself for a long period of time to get to the place that you want to be to finish and get that medal that says finisher. Not winner, finisher. Because that's really the goal, oftentimes for the vast majority of people who are running a marathon. It's a spiritual discipline. And a discipline is something you do for a long period of time that produces a desired result. I'll tell you something else that fasting is. It is something that is Christian, and it is something that is voluntary. Nobody can make you do it, just like prayer. No one's going to hamstring you. No one's going to grab you by the arm and say, you're going to pray today. You know, no one's going to make you do it. It's voluntary, but it is a spiritual discipline. No one's going to make you do evangelism. No one's going to make you give. No one's going to make you do these things, but these are things that God says are spiritual disciplines in our lives that we do as Christians and that is voluntary that produce a desired result. I've seen it defined like this. I like this definition. It's a voluntary giving up of a need that is critical for life in order to communicate to God our desperation for Him and our dependence upon Him. It's a great definition. Donald Whitney, who was a, an author, says this about fasting. He says, it's a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. Simple as that. Here's what it is not. It's not a spiritual weight loss plan. That's not what fasting is. Uh, it's not manipulating God into doing what he, I want him to do. I'm praying about something and then I decide to fast and in that fasting I'm trying to somehow manipulate God into doing what I want him to do. So neither is prayer for that matter. It's not getting his attention, so to speak. It's not impressing God with your spiritual acumen or your spiritual uh, ability to fast it's, or, or somehow gaining his acceptance. It's none of that. It's not effective without repentance and a focus on the Lord, by the way. That's what fasting is. Fasting changes you, not God. And I think it's important for us to understand that as we walk into these three verses this morning. Fasting changes you and me. Fasting changes your heart. It does not change or, 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 or somehow change God in his heart, in his life. It's a discipline that turns our attention to Christ. Oftentimes in our life, our problem and our challenge is focus in our life, in the Christian life. It's focus. You know, when you're young, anybody got bad eyes? I've got bad eyes. And when you're young, you know, you don't have bad eyes necessarily, but as you get older, what begins to happen? You have things like crazy weird words that a doctor tells you, like, oh, you, have, you are nearsighted. You are now farsighted, or you have an astigmatism, or my favorite one as of late is this idea of, uh, of presbyopia, opia, presbyopia. Oh yeah, you know what that is because that's reading glasses. Because when you get into your 40s, that's the fancy word for saying 
is something's wrong with your eyes, you got to go to that store and get those weird reading glasses. We need focus in the Christian life. Focus. We have a thousand voices coming into our minds and our hearts, but we need focus. And oftentimes in our lives, we need to come together. We need to come as individuals in prayer and fasting in order to focus. Which all of this leads to what Jesus teaches about fasting right here in these three verses. I want you to look with me in your Bibles at what it says. And this is what Jesus says, verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Of course, what's happening here is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a portion of a sermon that Jesus is teaching and preaching to not only his disciples who are nearby, but all of his followers. And there are many people that are in a distance who are listening to him, following him. And as they are following him and they are listening to him, he's defining what it means to live in the kingdom. You know, in Mark chapter 1, it says that the kingdom of God has come, right? Jesus has come. And as he has come, he's establishing this kingdom. He's showing us what it's looking like. He's showing us what living for Jesus looks like. That when the follower of Jesus Christ goes from following the things of the world to following Jesus with our lives, then we have this dual citizenship. We're proud to be Americans. We're proud to be here on this earth. But we now have this citizenship that is in heaven, and we ought to start acting like it and living like it and thinking like it and developing values like that and prioritizing my life like that. And that's the kind, the, the, the change, that's the shift. The things that I once pursued here on earth begin to shift to the things that are eternal in heaven. And now the priorities in my life are starting to shift and change. And what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he's taking the Old Testament law and he's beginning to unpack it and he's showing for these Christians, these new people that are going to follow him what it's like to live in the kingdom, what it's like to live now on this side of this covenant that Jesus is going to establish here on earth when the birth of the church that is coming, well, he's going to establish that and he's addressing these things. And so, right here in chapter 6, Jesus has been addressing multiple things. He's been addressing giving. At the beginning of chapter 6, he says, when you give, Then he talks about prayer in verse 5. He says, and when you pray. He's going to come back in verse 7 and say the same thing. And when you pray. And then, of course, we come to verse 16, which we just read. And when you fast. It's an expectation. In Acts chapter 1, we know and understand, and we've talked about this before, and we we walk through the book of Acts, but the church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. The church was was birthed out of a prayer movement. It's launched a movement, by the way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, this is what it says. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This is before the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. This is between the Spirit of God coming in Acts chapter 2 and Jesus saying, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, at the end of Matthew. And he ascends into heaven. He tells him to go back to Jerusalem and wait, W-A-I-T, wait for me to move. And when they go back to to Jerusalem, what did they do? They sit around and sip coffee. No, they got themselves together in one accord. They were praying to the same God in the same way, in the same direction, and they were crying out to God. And God, 120 people praying and crying out to God the same way, the same, with the same heart, 
God moves. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God comes and it launches a movement. They're praying in one accord. They're praying with devotion, and that is not, should not be lost on us as the local church. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes. The church is birthed, and the church grows. Not just numerically, they grow in health. They grow as people who are hungry to know God. They are growing as people who have a heart and a, a, a mind that is focused on evangelism and Bible teaching and prayer. And they are focused on those things. And when they are focused on those things as a community, and they commit themselves to one another, guess what happens? It tells us in Acts chapter 2, daily people were being saved, daily God is adding to the church, and on that particular day, thousands of people are saved. Now, if you believe that a God who did that can, is, is the same God today, then you should believe that God can work and move in those special ways in His people and among His people and in communities like ours. Oh, he can. He wants to. He's crying out to us from his word consistently, right? And so when we walk through these verses this morning, what I want to show us very quickly is just some very simple expectations that Jesus lays out for us when it comes to fasting. You see, fasting that honors God leads to spiritual results. Fasting that honors God leads to spiritual results. That's what Jesus' point is here in these three very short verses. You see, fasting, first of all, is ought to be a regular part of the Christian life. Do you see that? And this is what Jesus says in verse 16, the very beginning of verse 16, and when you pray. He doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't command us to pray, by the way. He sees it as an expectation. He is assuming that we, I'm sorry, he is assuming that we're fasting. He's assuming that we are doing this. He's not telling you to fast. He's not uh, saying if you fast. He says when you fast. There in verse 16. He's laying it out as an expectation. He's not giving a defense of fasting. He's not building a case of why you should fast. He just says, listen, when you fast, do it like this. Being a part, he's, he's laying out the contrast of what it means to be a part of God's kingdom versus being a Pharisee. When you think about the Old Testament, fasting is rooted first and foremost in the Old Testament. When I think about New Testament fasting and what Jesus teaches me about fasting here on this side of, of his covenant with, with us, well, the Jews were required to fast. They were made to fast. In fact, for the, they were to fast annually one time a year, the Day of Atonement. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 16, this is what it says in verse 29. We have it there above, uh, above my head. He says, And I shall, it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the seventh or the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and you shall do no work, neither uh, either the, 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 the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath, solemn, um, solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. He's going to say that fasting once a year on the Day of Atonement, the Jews were all required to fast. Now, there were, of course, many other fasts in the Old Testament that you can read about and we can see. But what 
we see in the Old Testament is that not only was it expected the Jews were made to do this, and that that's the point of the Old Testament, it was a normal part of the Christian life. It is rooted in the Old Testament, but it is normative in the New Testament. Now come back to the text with me again in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is going to say, as he says about giving, and as he says about prayer, again, he says, when you give, at the beginning there in the first four verses of chapter 6, he's going to say, and when you pray, in verse 7, he's going to say, and when you pray, and in verse 16, he's going to say, and when you fast. Jesus is saying several things. He's not only is he making these things expected in the Christian life, he's also raising them to equally important in the Christian life. Notice that? Jesus doesn't bring about a hierarchy of prayer and fasting. They're equally valuable in our lives. Giving and praying and fasting, spiritual disciplines that he is saying, that he is expecting, he's assuming that as Christians, we are following in the Christian life and doing in the Christian life. Fasting is to be a regular part of our lives. In the New Testament, prayer, the word prayer is used 75 times, it's mentioned. The word fast or fasting is used there 77 times in the New Testament. And yet, we never talk about it. We never really practice it as much in the New Testament church. But it's mentioned more times than prayer is mentioned. Jesus, fasting is what launched Jesus in his three-year open ministry with 40 days of prayer and fasting. The disciples of John in Matthew chapter 9, just a great passage of scripture, come to Jesus and they say, why aren't your disciples fasting? Then this is what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 9 verse 15, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Who is the bridegroom? Jesus himself, who is the bride of Christ, the church, the people of God. And when Jesus leaves, we are called to and we are meant to on a regular basis in creative ways fast, at times fast in our lives. Jesus was questioned and he responds in that particular situation by saying that there would be a day when those disciples would fast just as we would fast on this side of of heaven expects us to be a normal part of the Christian life. But notice what Jesus says next. Not only is it to be normative, but it is a, should be uh, between you and the Lord. Look at verse 16 again. And when you fast, do not, this is what he says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, oh, they have, or they have received their reward He has this negative command. He says in verse 16, do not be like, or do not look gloomy in your life, right? The Pharisees, they wanted to impress the crowds. The Pharisees wanted to impress people with their spiritual abilities, with their religious activity. It wasn't there to glorify the Lord. It wasn't there to glorify or to seek the Lord. And this had grown to a pattern in their lives. They gave publicly so that others would see. They prayed publicly so that others would see. They fasted publicly so that others would see. The problem was not that they did those things. The problem was the motive of their heart. You see, on the Pharisees, on Mondays and Thursdays, oh, they would fast. They fasted from food. But they fasted in a way that would showcase themselves And it was a display of public pride. It was a display of public piety in their own life. And pride gets in the way of effective fasting. It gets in the way of effective prayer. 
You cannot pray effectively. You cannot fast effectively the way God wants us to, to see a desired result if there's pride in the heart, if there's a motive in the heart to somehow spiritually impress someone else. No, what God says to us here in these two verses, what Jesus is teaching here in 16 specifically, is he says it's a private matter not to be paraded around to others. So when you fast, you don't brag about it. When you fast, you don't talk about it. Simply put, you don't look like you're fasting. <laughs> you don't walk around with misery on your face. You don't walk around with suffering on your, in your life, right? That's what fasting, the right fasting is. People shouldn't necessarily know that you're fasting if they don't know, know anything about you. Why? Because it draws attention to yourself. And it defeats the purpose of what fasting and what biblical fasting is. What he's not saying and what Jesus is not saying is that giving or fasting or praying are only private things. Don't get Jesus wrong here. It's, it's not wrong to talk about your fasting. The fact and acknowledge the fact that you're fasting to someone. He's getting at the motive of the heart here. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make here for us. At times you should talk to your spouse and say, hey, listen, I'm skipping a meal, or hey, listen, I'm not eating today. That's just good, common courtesy for whoever's preparing your meal. <laughs> it's okay for us to talk about fasting uh, as a congregation. It's okay to talk to your children. In fact, you should talk to your children at times when you are fasting or your grandchildren when you're talking about fasting. Why? Not because you're trying to point them to yourself, but you're trying to model and disciple them, right? I think that's a good, healthy thing to do with your children or your grandchildren, whoever comes into your home. And you're trying to influence them for Jesus Christ, right? It's okay to do those things, but the fasting should not involve anyone else. It should be between you and the Lord. It should be between you and the Lord. So it is something that is between you and the Lord. And then thirdly, what Jesus says here in verse 17 and 18, look at it with me again. And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Look at verse 18. That your fasting may not be seen by others, by your, but by your Father who is in secret. And watch this. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It's highly effective and it produces results. When you do this in the right way, with the right motive, it is highly effective and it produces spiritual results. It's a negative command in verse 16 that is followed by a positive command. Notice that in Jesus, what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, if you do this, when you do it properly, well then, this is going to happen in your life. It's going to produce spiritual results there at the end of verse 18. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you you. Fasting that is between you and the Lord with the right motives in your heart done the right way, it will yield the right results, the spiritual results that God wants you to have there in your life. Nothing's hidden from God by your Father. By your Heavenly Father, nothing is hidden from the Lord. Now think about this in my own life. Listen, He sees everything. He sees your giving. He sees your praying. He knows what you're praying, how often you're praying, when you're praying, what the motive of your heart is when you pray. Going back to giving, listen, he knows how you give and what the motive of your heart is when you give. 
He knows whether you have a stingy heart. He knows whether you're giving with, 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 sacrificial, with, with, with sacrifice or benevolent in the way that you're giving. He knows these things. He hears your prayers, by the way, in private. There isn't a word that is lost on him. He knows you in every way. And when you fast, he sees and knows the motive of your heart when you fast. You know why the Lord wants you and I to focus so much on, this per, on, this, on our personal walk with him? Because he knows that you and I are prone to wander. He knows we are prone to follow the things of this world. He knows we're spiritually weak. He knows at times we're, not going to, we're, we're going to, to put other things ahead of him. He knows at times we're going to get content and really lackadaisical in our spiritual life and just start to go on autopilot. To where we just go to church and go home, go to church and go home, go to church and go home. Or we go to our class and go home. We go to this class and go home. But there's no spiritual transformation in our life. We are prone to wonder and we are prone to have prideful hearts but pride is out of the way when it is just you and God. When you come to the Lord in prayer and you come to the Lord fasting and you come to the Lord praying for specific things in your life and fasting over specific things in your life, he knows that it is just you and him. And guess what, y'all? He wants that. He wants to be wanted. He loves to be wanted in the right way. It pleases the heart of God and it moves the heart of God when, when we as his children want him and we as his children pursue him. Listen, there's a lot of good reasons to fast in the New Testament, but, but listen, I want to share with you just two kind of big rocks of why we should fast. We fast for spiritual breakthrough on a matter. I ask you to raise your hands in the room about spiritual breakthrough. Maybe you've been praying for someone for a long time that needs Christ. Maybe you've been praying for a long time about a job transfer, or you're praying for a job, or you're praying for this, or you're praying for that, and it just seems like God's not speaking. He's not moving. He's not, there's nothing happening. Maybe it's a time, an opportunity. Maybe God's leading you to pray and fast over the issue. An issue that you're wanting an answer for, a decision about you need God's movement in a particular matter. You need spiritual breakthrough in the matter. Maybe it's time to fast. Maybe it's a person that you're praying for, needs a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's time to fast for that person. So we pray, fast for spiritual breakthrough. But listen, here's another big rock of why we fast. We fast with, for, for intimacy with God. A heightened awareness, that's what intimacy is, a heightened awareness of the presence of God. God wants to manifest his presence among us. And that's not weird to say. And what I mean by that is he wants to move in supernatural ways among us. He wants to restore your marriage. He wants to save the person to the left or to the right of you. He wants to break that addiction in your life that no one around you to the left or to the right, to the front or to the back knows about you. He wants to break that pattern of behavior in your life. He knows it. He sees it. And he wants to change it. But the manifest presence of God is when Jesus Christ touches your heart and breaks that bond in your life. He moves in supernatural ways. He moves in supernatural ways in which, in, in, not only in our personal lives, but in our families and in our church. 
oh, he does this work, and he wants to do this work, and he invites us into this work, and that is the heightened awareness of the presence of God, that intimacy with God, asking him to show himself to us, not visibly. We're not talking about little crosses and all. We're we're talking about show your power, show this supernatural anointing power that we read about in the Bible time and time again. Lord, show up in my life. Show up in the lives of the people around me. That's what I want to see. I want to see your Holy Spirit moving. I want this intimacy with, with you, Lord. I'm tired of following this and this and this and this. I want you And he wants to be wanted. He loves to be wanted. And we begin to make our decisions, and we begin to rearrange our life according to what he wants. We begin to abide in Christ the way he wants us to, because Jesus promises that when we abide in him and he in us, we bear much fruit. We want the Spirit of God filling us, right, on a daily basis that we would bear that spiritual fruit in our life, right, that we would grow and we would be transformed and changing, that the love of God would transform us, that we would be people, we would be an individual where the Spirit of God is conforming us into the image of Christ, right? The love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the self-control, the spiritual fruit is now coming into our life. It's coming out of our life, and our lives are being transformed by it. He wants to work out a person's holiness in their life. That's what intimacy is. It's intimacy with God. Intimacy develops and then becomes self-feeding, by the way. When you're growing to come closer to God and you're growing to come closer to him and your walk with him, it is self-feeding. Jesus did this so much in his own life. It is to lead us. These things are to lead us for the purpose of godliness. This is what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy and why he says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, Rather, train yourself for godliness. That's what God wants in your life. Just as Paul says that to Timothy, it's what God says to all of us, right? Why does fasting produce these things? Well, it produces these things, listen, in our life. is how we express our complete dependence upon God in a matter. You see, you've got to get to a place in your life, and I've got to get to a place in my life where when I pray and when I talk to God, I have to pray and ask God, listen, God, you've got to move or it will not happen. It will not happen. Now, that's complete dependence upon the Lord. And the more that I push out the things of my life and the things of my mind that are unfruitful and I start to focus on the Lord and I start to pray and I fast towards him, then what it is demonstrating is my expression of complete dependence on God in the matter. God, if you don't move in this, it's not going to happen. Fasting is how we express our utter dependence upon God in every way and our desperation on God. You know, giving up food is not, there's nothing special. Just like the water behind me up in this big tub is nothing special. I say that every time we baptize, right? It's not special. It's not washing away sins. But what fasting does is it's not about the food. It's about the heart. Where you are in your heart, where are you in your heart? Because where you are in your heart will move the heart of God. So when do you know when it's time to fast? Well, I think you know when it's time to fast is when you've been praying for something and God has moved. 
praying for something, you're moving, and it's time to fast. Maybe it's time to fast. Could be that whatever you're praying about is not God-honoring. Maybe the motive of your heart is not right in your prayer life. And you've been asking God and God, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this. But in your heart, maybe God is just waiting for you to wake up and to open your eyes and your eyes to see that what you're praying is simply meeting your needs, but it's not what God wants to do in the matter. But through prayer and fasting, God begins to reveal that. The Spirit of God reveals that. He begins to reveal the motive of your heart. So if your intimacy with God is drifting, maybe it's time to pray and fast. Maybe it's time to, time to talk to him about these things. Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Because Jesus doesn't command us to pray. He doesn't command us to give. He doesn't command us to be evangelistic. He doesn't command us to fast. He just expects that that's what we're doing. So here's what I want to ask you to do. What we're going to do as a church, we're going to start the new year with a season of prayer and fasting. Then I want you, I want you to join me in that. What we're going to do is we're going to take 21 days at the front end of this year, and we're going to focus as a church on praying and fasting. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying necessarily we're going to fast and you're not going to eat food for 21 days, three weeks, okay? Y'all about to run out of the church now. Before we get to the logistics of it, what I want to ask you to do from a 10,000-foot view as we enter this season is to pray and to fast for some big rocks, okay? We're praying and we're fasting for deeper intimacy with the Lord. As a church, as a family, as an individual, pray and fast for deeper intimacy with the Lord. Then Pray for God's presence to be manifested among you and your home and your life and in our church. And then let's pray and fast from a big picture standpoint for a renewed focus on him. A renewed focus on him. So here's what we're going to do. A week from today, we're going to start this, not tomorrow. A week from today. I'm sorry, a week from tomorrow, rather. We're going to start this. A week from Monday, tomorrow. So next Sunday, what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you a 21-day prayer guide that you can take as a guide to pray with some big things to pray about. Within our church, maybe it's broad. Some things may be broad. Things, some things may be specific. But we're going to pray for some specific things and some broad things in the life of our church and around the world and things of that nature. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is on the Tuesdays of that 21-day period, I want you to fast with me. Now, let's talk about what fasting is, okay, what I'm asking you to do. For some of you, it's okay for you to fast an entire day. If you do it like I do, then I start at dinner time the day before and I don't eat dinner or I don't eat again until the breakfast of the following day. So I eat dinner, and then the next day I don't eat at all, and then I eat breakfast the next day. Now, when I fast for a particular day, that's what I'm going to do. Or at least I'm going to strive to do that. You may be okay with doing that. But if you've not done it before, or another option for you is to maybe skip a meal. Say, skip one meal. And take that time to spend time with the Lord, with that prayer guide, with your Bible, and just pray 
and fast over one meal, or two meals that particular day, or you may want to do one meal a day for 21 days. Lots of different ways you can do this. Or you need to consult a doctor. If you're diabetic and things of that nature, I understand that, and you need to understand that as well. So maybe consult your doctor. Maybe it's okay for you to skip one meal, or maybe it is you can count your calories and say, okay, I'm going to take 800 calories out of my diet on this particular day. And you figure out a way to do that. Again, the purpose is that the heart and your heart is focused on the Lord and pursuing the Lord with your life. And just by doing these kind of practical things, you are demonstrating to the Lord that you want to get alone with him, that you are trying to pursue him for intimacy, for his presence, and for focus. And for the specific things we're going to pray about over those 21 days. What I'm going to encourage you with with this as we close is that fasting that honors God, it leads to spiritual results. And I want to encourage you to do that with me starting a week from Monday. So take time this week, pray about it, think about it, ask questions about it, and then we're going to start a week from tomorrow together as a church as we start a new year. Now, next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be back in Philippians. We're going to finish that, and we're going to transition back into that. But I'll be talking about this next Sunday morning, and then we'll have prayer guides. We'll have things for you, resources for you to be able to take home with you. But as a church, let's do this together as we start the new year in 2024, okay? You with me? Say yes like this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. We're going to have a time of response in our service. And listen, what I want to encourage you with this morning is this. I asked you to come forward a few moments ago to pray. I'm going to ask you again, if you want to come forward or if somebody in the service needs prayer over any particular matter, a lot of hands went up. A lot of hands went up in the room. You're praying for breakthrough. You know, God moves when his people pray. So if you've got a particular issue in your life or individual in your life, you need prayer over, then I want to encourage you to come forward. There's people that are willing to pray with you, come forward and pray with you. I'm willing to pray with you. But if the Lord has been speaking to you about membership or following through with believer's baptism, or giving your life to Jesus Christ. You know the gospel. We talk about it Sunday after Sunday. Jesus loves you. He cares deeply for you. What God wants you to do is to turn your life over to him. And if you'll do that, or if you'll join our church, and you'll follow through with believer's baptism, it pleases the heart of God. This is what God's will is for you. If you need prayer over any matter, you come forward. God will move when his people pray, all right? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to stand and sing together. And then we'll respond to what God says. God, thank you this morning. Lord, for the the gift of praying and talking to you. We know our words are not lost on you. There are billions of people across this planet, millions of people praying to you right here, right now as we talk to you. And yet somehow, some way you hear every language, every word, every cry, Every petition, every confession, you hear it all. And we're grateful, Lord, that you're a God. Somehow, some way, you hear it all and you respond to your people. We love you, Lord. God, give us courage today as we respond and as we say yes to you in all of these areas. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with me and let's sing together. And you come, the Lord leads you. Far away
seated this morning. You know, as we uh, uh, just transition to our giving of our tithes and our offerings in a moment, I want to encourage you to be faithful and generous as you give our tithes and then, of course, offerings on top of that uh, from time to time. But uh, let's be faithful in our tithing and our giving um, and uh, learn the, the spiritual discipline of, of tithing and giving. Um, God uh, moves powerfully through that. He has in our family and he will in yours, I promise you, if um, uh, if God uh, continues to, to move in your life in that arena. We're going to pray in a moment over that giving, um, but just a couple very quick announcements before we dismiss today. Um, I want to just mention that this coming Wednesday night, of course, we resume again our midweek ministries. We did last Wednesday night, had a great kickoff to that, our student ministry. We had two ladies' Bible studies that started and launched this past Wednesday and a Thursday morning, had a great turnout for that. This coming Wednesday night, we start a men's Bible study as well, so we're adding that um, called the uh, uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man. So we're going to be working through that over the course of the spring. So men, I want to encourage you to come. It's 15 bucks. I have the books. They're available. I'll be facilitating the study, but there'll be some other men as well leading and teaching in that arena as well. So that's going to be uh, this Wednesday night. We'll be meeting over in the children's building as we have been the last couple of studies that we've met together. Um, I want to mention that one of our local ministries, the Center of Hope, has some significant immediate needs. As you know, um, you know, in the past uh, year or so, especially with the economy the way it's been, uh, prices have gone up tremendously uh, when it comes to groceries and things of that nature, and they are in need of help with people to come and to serve at the Center of Hope. 
Um, the, the clients have continued to increase there exponentially. Um, and the Center of Hope is not just about food. There's so many other great, amazing things that are happening there at Center of Hope. It's a great partner that we have locally in our ministry, in our community rather. Some of you and many of you serve in that ministry already, but they have some specific immediate needs. There's a handout over in the connection point your right, my left, and uh, you can pick that up. It has all of the specific needs they have currently right now and a description of those with the contact information. You can plug in very quickly through that, okay? So I wanted to mention that. Just also, our office is going to be closed tomorrow. I don't know why. What's going on tomorrow? We might have some ice on the ground. That's the main thing it's going to be closed. But anyway, it's, it's going to be closed tomorrow. Just want to let you know. Um, so if you are going to stop by the church, I doubt you are. But uh, the weather might be a little dicey tomorrow. We have no idea. But um, our office is usually open on that, on that particular Monday, but it will be closed tomorrow. Um, and Tuesday, we'll be playing it by ear, okay, this coming week. So we'll see how things go with the weather. That being said, what I want to say is to you is this. If you know of someone in our congregation that needs help, uh, one of our homebound, if you are one of our widows or others in our congregation, you physically don't have someone to help you, wrap pipes, we have men who are willing to help you, okay? So I want you to come talk to me or talk to one of our deacons that you know in our congregation and let them know, hey, could someone come by and do this quickly for me? We can do that for you, okay? And so I've spoken to several of our men already this morning and they're willing to help where those needs are. So, um, We've been through this before a little bit in 21, but um, we want to be uh, vigilant and, um, you know, take care of our own, especially, you know, during uh, the next few days, okay? So I want to mention that this morning before we leave. All that said, let's stand and sing. I'm sorry, sing. Let's all stand and have a quick word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed this morning as we uh, pray for our tithes and our offerings as we give those. God, thank you for the service, and we're thankful, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the praying. Thank you for the giving. We give to you our tithes and our offerings now, Lord. We pray that you would use them to train our heart not to love the things of this world, but to prioritize you and to invest in treasure in heaven, to invest in you, Lord, because the things that matter are the things that, Lord, um, are eternal. So we give to you our tithes. And we pray that you would help us to grow in our giving towards you. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you'd go with us as we point people to you this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.